Hey, Friday podcast coming your way. Great stuff. John Ziegler is a don't miss the things we need to know about how the media actually works. Bill O'Reilly is uh, with us, and I I drug the limp leg called Stu along with me for the entire podcast. Thank you so much for that. Um, I will tell you that you can subscribe to Blaze TV, and you can watch my show. I don't know why you'd want oh to after God. that intro, uh, as well as Glenn. You know, I get uh, after any intro, you don't want to. Yeah, you can watch Glenn's show as well if you use the promo code Fauci Lied when you go to BlazeTV.com/slash/Glenn. That's twenty-five bucks off your subscription, which is a big discount. Also, want to point out, Glenn, uh, the merch is out there. Uh, you Christmas, can, Christmas merch. Let's go, Brandon. Ugly yeah. T-shirt, sweatshirt. Uh, uh, kind of thing. It's a it's an ugly sweater, but it it's actually not a sweater. It's a sweatshirt, and it looks great. Let's go, Brandon. Perfect for the holidays. Yeah, use the code Glen twenty to save twenty percent off. If you're looking for Christmas presents, you can go to uh, bl- shop.blazemedia.com or stewdoesmerch.com. We'll get you to my collection. Check it out. Glen twenty is the code for twenty percent off. What is really behind the pandemic? Who profits from the pandemic? What are the true origins of the virus? There have been disturbing revelations about the vaccine and why it's being pushed so hard. And it's time perhaps that we ask dangerous, forbidden questions surrounding COVID-19 and the pandemic. Big tech and the government are doing everything they can to stifle the truth. Because if we... If we did start to ask these questions, we would no longer tolerate the draconian measures put into effect. This is the reason to watch next Wednesday night's two-hour live commercial-free special done by me. The probably the most dangerous chalkboard I have ever done. One of the biggest reveals is the federal government's troublesome connection with Big Pharma. A huge conflict of interest, but also a disturbing breach of trust between the American people and the government elected by them. Most disturbing of all is the trail of emails showing a cover-up executed by a coronavirus cabal. And it is a cabal. They were more interested in protecting their legacy and their money than saving lives. This is next Wednesday, November 17th, 8 p.m., blazetv.com slash Glenn. I urge you to watch this. We're putting it on YouTube. <clears throat> Doubt it will make it for the first 15 minutes, but maybe it is. Um, it is uh, a very important special. Watch it with a friend. You can be a subscriber at Blaze TV and make sure that you see it and have it but we urge you to watch it i'll watch it with a bunch of people so you can discuss it afterwards following the special steve dace will give his unthrottled reaction uh and your too dangerous for big tech questions live only next wednesday night on blaze tv from blaze tv and uh radio is pat gray from pat gray unleashed hi pat hi glenn i'm excited about your special it sounds fun <laughs> you know i've i've seen the uh, youtube rules uh and they are about five pages very fine print five mm-hmm. pages of what can be said what can't be said yeah we have to edit everything for youtube 
Almost every day. Oh, yeah. Almost every day. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, there is no such thing as unfiltered speech. Did you see no. what Twitter was doing yesterday for Kyle Rittenhouse? No. They were suppressing anyone who said he's clearly innocent. Oh, they were suppressing oh, that. I mean, there is no such thing as freedom of speech anymore in America. There's just mm-hmm. not. You can't say that is the public square. Social media yeah. is the public square. It's, it's tough because it's still their website. So that's why they are able to do these things legally. But you know, we it's are not moving, the public square, we, even though we th- we want it to be the public square, I guess. We are moving towards the metaverse. Yeah, no, look, I mean, there's arguments to be made. A lot of people make them about that it should be thought of as the public square. Legally, right now, it's not, though. Yeah, well, and that's why they can do all this I, stuff. I just want you to know, do you have something you want to talk about, Pat? Because I'd love to get your reaction on something. But do you have something you want to bring up? No, you can. Okay, so <clears throat> are you familiar with the metaverse? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks, oh, that's uh, that's Facebook. Why are they metaverse? That's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. We are so far ahead on the metaverse and you don't even know it. I, I want to tell you that on Wednesday, uh, the World Economic Forum held the great narrative and they've been promoting this. And what I'm going to read to you is on their website. Now, remember, the World Economic Forum just partnered with the Biden administration to bring these things back there to bring these things into America. We are now partnered with uh, 20 different companies, public public private partnership and the World Economic Forum. This is build back better. So the great narrative was the uh, conference that is happening this week. Uh, to design the future. Now, I want you to just listen. This is how they opened it. Design the future, the story for the future. In order to shape the future, you have to imagine the future, design the future, and then execute. Over the next two days, they will decide how we decide, how we execute the great narrative. But the great narrative is, is what is tomorrow going to look like globally? The world has gone through a very difficult time. People are now looking for transformation, but the world needs a new blueprint, a new narrative. Why? Because 1% own more wealth than 7 billion. Almost half the population lives in under $6 a day because the last 60 years were the warmest on record. We can't afford to waste more time on denial of climate change. Because our digital world will be as important as our physical world. By 2025, there will be five times more devices than people on this planet. Because both to inspire hope and action, government, first and foremost, are in the business of installing hope. Mm. Governments are instituted among men to... Oh, protect these rights. I'm sorry. I thought it was um, install hope. Imagine what role the government should play to install this new narrative. A whole government approach is not enough. All of humanity approach is needed. Collectively, we are the author of this new chapter. The future belongs to those who can imagine it and implement it. How can we design the government to be future citizen ready? 
how to lead the world into sustainable and a better future. What will be the great narrative? When we look at the world today, difficulties shape the future. Three obstacles. First, after the pandemic, people have become much more self-centered. Really? That's the big... Hmm. What role is what is the role of government looking at our current position in human history? We sit at the second of the first minute of the first day of the first year. Human evolution to the wheel to today with technology in 50 years. It will be totally different. The pace we've grown has been massive, but we are putting our life onto one platform the future will be based on the platform we design now. Does anybody think so far this is a little spooky? Mm. The job is to bring people and humility together. Hmm. And humility. How is this great government going to make us find humility? Technology. Uh, let's say, let's see. Uh, the job is to bring people and humility together. Technology and to bring uh, and to bring better for our humanity. Obviously translated. Uh, how do you see the global future collaboration? Hopefully, in optimistic terms, we know the world isn't inclusive or sustainable enough. But we cannot forget the amount of progress made in 50 years. We know the tensions like USA and China, but we have always have common interests. They want stronger cooperation between the U.S. and China, including environmental issues. Don't leave it alone to governments. Business and science need to play a part. Combine the common interest. Make short-term compromises for long-term change. We are in a new transformation of humankind. If you want to change humanity, we must change the world. Let us use our energy to create a great narrative for humankind in the next two days. Take our own fate into our own hands. And who's that from? The World Economic Forum wow. and the Great Reset. Jeez. Is that wow. not freaking <clears throat> terrifying? Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I, they do seem like they're much further along uh, than they than are. The hey, well, Facebook's changing their name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a lot. No, uh, it's a lot is, further along than they, that. This is so far along, and uh, we are not invited to the table. Humanity is not invited to the table. Mm-hmm. Just our overlords are invited to the table, and they mm-hmm. will decide for us. This is the scariest thing I've ever seen because it's not just America. This is the world. Yeah, they are everybody's playing, on board with it. Yeah, they are playing mm-hmm. for the world. And they're using the same verbiage, too. They're all doing the oh, yeah, build, build back, back better. better thing. Oh, yeah, that, which it's all is that. the great reset. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to say this. We're looking for, let's see, we know the tensions like USA and China, but we have common interests. We want stronger cooperation, USA and China, including environmental issues. Don't leave it alone to the governments. Combine the common interest. Make short-term compromises for long-term change. Now let me play you what John Kerry said yesterday about China and the Uyghurs. How in in the several months of meetings uh, behind the scenes with China, did you bring up some of those very contentious issues? Um, such as use, the use of forced labor in Xinjiang for uh, for building solar panels. How did you address it, and 
how did you kind of overcome that in reaching this final? Well, we're honest. We're honest about the differences, and we certainly know uh, what they are, and we've articulated them. And but that's not my lane here. That's uh, my job is to be the climate guy. You also had Nancy Pelosi say we have to get climate change done uh, and we can't be get bogged down with the Uyghur slaves. John Kerry is currently fighting legislation to to uh, ban anything made by slaves in China. This is the cooperation. This is the kind of uh, uh, short term compromises that will uh, show us in the future. Uh, and whole race of people have been wiped out. If you haven't gotten yourself a rec tech yet, what are you waiting for? I actually have two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One in my underground lair, just in case they start coming. Oh, yeah. I'll be gr- I'll be grilling and smoking in the bunker. Anyway, um, you can make great, great food. Um, Rectech, it will grill. It will smoke. It will even bake. It is the best in the grilling game. Smart grill technology. It tracks its own cooking, keeps the heat even all throughout while you're monitoring from an app on your phone or in a device, not missing any of the fun. In other words, Rectech does all the work. You get all the credit. It's fantastic. Fire up the computer or heck, do it from your phone. Order a Rectech for the holidays. No better way to enjoy it. Follow Rectech on social media. Sign up for their newsletter, Rectech with a Q at the end.com. R E C T E Q.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. Tell me, sir, the biggest story of the week. Well, a popular story is the Rittenhouse situation. Um, as far as what's important to the United States, uh, it's the battle between Biden and Trump over the January 6th documents in the National Archive. So which one do you want to handle, Beck? Oh, well, I think we should handle the one you think is the biggest story. You know, it just depends on how you're looking at your country. So the Rittenhouse story is over. He's not guilty. And it's just another example of how the media convicts people without any knowledge of what happened. Everybody ran a montage, including me. I, I'm sure you did. Yep, yep. Of all these far left um, people uh, convicting the 17 year old, then 17. And still doing it, honestly. And Twitter today is suppressing people who are saying he's innocent. I did not know that. See, yes. I'm not in that world, that, that world of Twitter and Facebook and all that. And, and that is a very corrupting force in America. Uh, yeah. Seeing that most people get their news from Twitter, Facebook, yeah. etc. And, and so once you replace reality with unreality, mm-hmm. so then your life is going to careen. If you do that in your personal life, it's going to careen and, and collapse. And now on a national basis... Um, we have that, that coming, too, because, as you just said, many, many people, they don't use standard news agencies anymore, and they're smart not to because almost all of them are corrupt. 
So Med- um, Meadows, let's so let's switch to the other story. Meadows says now he is not going to cooperate with the January 6th committee right. um, because they are battling over the executive privilege. Uh, right. You know, it's a kangaroo court. Um, they're saying if he doesn't testify today, he'll be held in contempt of Congress. And I think he's pretty fine with that. Yep. Um, I hold them in contempt. But uh, uh, what do you think? What do you think is happening there? And what is this really all about? Well, Beck, as you know, because you've known me a long time, I'm essentially a reporter. All right. I mean, I'm a blabbermouth and, a, and an analyst and all that. But my career is based on reportage. So when I saw this, um, it, this is about Biden versus Trump. This is mano a mano. So Biden basically says, if you're a former president, you don't have executive privilege. You don't have it. And I'm going to write an order that says you don't have it. And I'm going to go into every nook and cranny I can to find out exactly what you said to all of your advisors while you're in the White House. So so everybody understands. And then um, Trump says, no, I do have executive privilege and you can't do that. And I'm going to file a lawsuit, which is he's done. And then late last night, the federal court stayed the Biden action. Okay, so I predicted. Okay, so why did I predict that? Why did O'Reilly predict that? Um, Because I actually did some reporting back. Did you know that on the second day he was president, Barack Obama signed an executive order? It is 13489. And that executive order says that. Presidents who leave the White House continue to have executive privilege and all of their documents contained in the National Archives are sealed, are secure. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay. I thought, quite honestly, hang on just a second. Knew it. I thought nobody reported on it. Nobody looked. Okay. Nobody cares about what the reality of the situation is. So look, I okay, got wait, wait, little... wait, 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 before you go, go on, I thought that was, you know, uh, like that all the time uh, that, you know, the papers were sealed. I guess the Sandy Berger thing should have told me the difference. Why should they be open to everyone? A president of the United States has the right to private counsel. It's just like you and your lawyer or your doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right to have private conversations, because many of those conversations are, well, why don't we consider this? Why don't we do that? Sure. And, and it never comes to fruition. But the point of the matter is that here we have two presidents, Biden and Trump. Biden is trying to destroy Trump. There's no doubt in my mind. It's personal. He feels threatened. His, uh, Biden has, is doing so badly that Trump is gaining momentum. So Biden's trying to destroy him and wants to go in and look at every private conversation that Trump had in four years and try to find something that he can feed to the New York Times. Okay, that's what this story is all about. But the real outrage of the story is my little news agency, BillOReilly.com, all right, a very small agency could find this information and no one else can. 
because no one else cares, Beck. Now, I'm not putting you in that category. I'm, I'm just saying that the, re- the real, the corporate news agencies with budgets of $100 million, they don't have researchers that can go in and look. Of course they do. They're not like curious. So, so, and they're not looking for that angle on the story. So, so wait a minute, Bill. So he put in an executive order that said it's all private, right? Obama, right. Obama did. The most important thing of this executive order, again, if people want to look it up, it's 13489, is that President Obama clearly stated that past presidents have executive privilege. So then why did you say you knew the court was going to rule in this? Because favor? I knew about this order. And, and so the federal court can't override Obama's executive order. Can't do that. That has to be done on a constitutional basis. Was Barack Obama wrong in this? Was this an unconstitutional so executive order? Why didn't Biden, because you can rescind executive orders, why didn't Biden just rescind that order? Who knows? But he didn't. It's still on the books. And the Biden people don't know about it because, again, nobody looks, nobody cares. Well, we're going to do this. You're going to do that. All right. It's like the remain in Mexico executive order under Trump. Okay, Biden's "Ah, throwing it out. And a judge goes, federal judge says, well, you you have to go through a process. You just can't throw it out. And therefore, today, the Remain in Mexico policy exists. It's there. That's the law. Not being followed, but yes, you're of exactly course, right. not yeah. being followed. But my so point it, is that we're all in great jeopardy, all of us, because we're now living in a country that doesn't care about the truth and the facts. And, and let's get back to Rittenhouse. So all of these people on The View and Morning Joe and usual suspects, all right, people who have just no credibility, they don't know what happened to this kid. And I said that to my audience from the jump. The only thing I know about Kyle Rittenhouse at the time when he ventured into Wisconsin with an illegal rifle, and he could be convicted on the illegal rifle, okay, the only thing I know is that his parents should not have allowed him to do that. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Bad parenting. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I am not going to speculate about the life of a fellow human being. I'm not going to convict him. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and, that's I, and, I, I, and I, let, me re- let me rephrase what I just said, because I don't want to convict the parents. He's a 17-year-old kid. It, it may not have been bad parenting. It was just a bad choice on his part. He's 17. Well, I said... The parents should not have allowed him to go, but I don't know his circumstance. Yes, I don't either. Okay, so he's living in your house, and he goes, hey, Mom and Dad, I'm going to take this rifle and go into a riot situation in Kenosha. I say no. Me as the dad go, I don't think so. Right, exactly right. Exactly right. So now, do you think the press is going to uh, actually support a verdict. I mean, assuming that the verdict comes back as uh, not guilty, will the press accept that? Yeah, they'll, 
<laughs> they have to accept it because they look like clowns now. No, no, they really don't. I mean, they're already saying this judge is out of control. This judge. Oh, wait is- a minute. Wait a minute. You're, that's gonna. That's a low level, way down the chain of journalism. You're not hearing that from the Washington Post. Uh, you're not hearing that from these other people because all they care about is their own career. I'm hearing it from CNN. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> low level. Just I guess. reinforces the low level <laughs> right, on the okay. food chain. All right. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. John Ziegler is uh, on the phone. He is a senior columnist at Mediate. He is a controversial guy, both left and right, because he calls them as he sees them. Uh, I think he's one of the braver guys. I think he's also a little suicidal uh, in his approach, but but he is also one of the only people I know that when he says, this is what I believe, I know that's exactly what he believes. And that is very rare and worth a lot today. Hello, John. How are you? Wow, Glenn, you know, I think the main reason I come on your show is just to hear your different intros to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That one was really good. Thank you. My wife would agree with just about everything you just said. Yeah, especially the suicidal in your career. Exactly. That was the part that I I was thinking about. Yeah, okay. Um, So, John, you wrote a great article after 10 years of investigating the Penn State scandal. Here's what the uh, case taught me about modern media. Uh, and I can't believe media uh, or media uh, mediaite actually let you print this, um, but uh, they did. So well, that's a story. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, they have. Uh, you, you, we're not going to relitigate the uh, Sandusky uh, thing. You right. say I. You know, I did a podcast with hours and hours and hours with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, hindsight. Um, but uh, you you want to use that to show us. For instance, let's let's compare it now and and show us COVID. Right. No, you, you've hit on exactly why I think this story is relevant. Although I will say, uh, you know, here we are on the 10th anniversary of the Penn State scandal. And for those who don't remember, this is the Jerry Sandusky sex abuse scandal that resulted in the firing of the great Joe Paterno and three Penn State administrators going to jail and Sandusky is going to almost certainly die in prison. I mean, that story in and of itself was a huge story. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have rewritten history and told you what really did happen in our epic podcast with the benefit of hindsight is, I think, inherently relevant relevant in any rational world would be relitigated by the news media. But being realistic, I think, John, I want you to know, um, you know, people, uh, people like you who speak the truth that is unpopular, they are always recognized much later, usually when they're dead. Um, But (laughs) I I think your I think your podcast and all of your reporting on this, I think it will turn that story around eventually. I would like to believe that. It probably will be after I'm dead. I'm preparing my nine-year-old daughter to, to, to eventually yeah. take the reins on that. Yeah. But, look, I pre- Glenn, I appreciate that more than you know. And let me just, last thing on my podcast. I mean, people who have no interest in this story find it to be the most amazing podcast that they've ever encountered. I mean, it's, it's gripping. It's entertaining. I have a female co-host who was a television sportscaster here in Los Angeles who's now a, a professor of media at Syracuse University named Liv Sabib. It's an amazing ride, and we have proven this case beyond any comprehension uh, and any shadow of the doubt, and you will learn so much about humanity and the news media, and 
I believe you will learn how we got into this COVID mess because a lot of what I wrote in this media I, column relates directly to COVID. And, and the main parts of that are what happens when everyone gets locked in emotionally and professionally into a narrative in no time where we don't know the true facts and where everyone is in a panic, a moral panic in this case involving child sex abuse. We all lose our minds and then the experts see an opportunity to to forward their agenda. And once the story is written, and it can happen in only a couple of days, and that's what happened in Penn State. A couple of days, 10 years ago, we were told a nonsensical story about Jerry Sandusky having raped a boy in a shower and uh, a coach telling Joe Paterno and he basically doing nothing in Penn State covering up for this former assistant coach. That story is absurd. Now, sometimes absurd stories happen, but they come with evidence. This one did not. In fact, if you listen to the podcast, you know we've proven what actually did happen, and it's not that. But once everyone's invested, there's no going back. And I guess one of the more amazing elements of both this story and with regard to COVID is that when the facts come in now, and they're unequivocal, they're overwhelming, no one seems to care anymore. Mm-hmm. No, one, no, one, no one will admit they were wrong. Now, as a married guy, I'm well-trained in admitting when I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, even, even when I don't really think I am. Correct. Um, so I, I truly do not understand when did we stop admitting that when more information comes in, we can go, oh, wait a minute. When- Maybe we rush to judgment, especially when this keeps happening. It's as if... Duke lacrosse never happened. It's as if Theranos never happened. It's as if Jussie Smollett never happened. Uh, The Covington kids never happened. We're seeing it with Kyle Rittenhouse. It's time and time again, and the media never learns their lesson, mostly because they're never held accountable, Glenn. Well, I think they actually kind of are. I mean, the the blaze... uh, You know, our streaming service and, you know, with YouTube, we beat... Uh, the CNN ratings many nights, many nights. Uh, it, it is crazy how low their ratings are going. However, right. you're right. They just think that's because we're all stupid. Um, so they don't they're never they're never called into question uh, on what they actually did and what they reported. And you can see that again with the uh, uh, with the White House now and the the Russia hoax. Uh, we know where that came from, and we know the media participated in it. Um, but, no, but no one ever gets fired, I no, guess is no. my point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yes, as institutions, they are suffering in the ratings, and I think that a large part of that is because of lack of trust. I mean, there's this narrative going that, that everyone's tel- turning off television news in comparison to last year because there's no election. Well, that's part of it. But I think what happened with COVID destroyed what was ever left uh, of their credibility in a large portion of the population. But let me, give you a really, let me give you a really good example that, again, is from the Penn State case, but I think you guys are going to enjoy this because this shows, this relates in, in, many, in some weird ways to COVID. The Dr. Fauci of this case was a woman by the name of Sarah Ganim, all right? Now, you, you guys fit on this narrative and tell me how absurd this is, all right? So we were told 10 years ago that the woman who broke this case was a 24-year-old Penn State graduate by the name of Sarah Ganim, 24 years old. I don't know about you guys, but when I was 24, I didn't know crap about crap. I mean, I, mean, I, I, can't, I can't even, I was a television sportscaster, an NBC affiliate in Ohio and West Virginia. I can't, in retrospect, believe they even let me on the air at 24. Uh, I agree, right? I, I'm the same way. 
All right, so, so she's 24 years old, and immediately the media says, we found our expert, our, our Dr. Fauci. Tell us what happened in this story, Sarah. So she leads everybody in this panic down this path that turns out to be completely absurd. Now, let's follow her narrative from there. She wins the Pulitzer Prize, because the media loves this narrative. You know, a semi-attractive mm-hmm. Penn State graduate female brings down the entire Penn State football program. Oh, my God, they're salivating over this. She never writes a book about the case which is impossible as a Pulitzer Prize winner. It's impossible, but there's a reason why she didn't write a book, because she can't, not because she's just a bad writer, but because her narrative would get her in big trouble about what really actually happened. But she, she gets a great gig at CNN. So she goes from a tiny little paper in, in central Pennsylvania to CNN, where she does nothing, nothing. The only thing she gets known for are having snowballs thrown at her in a snowstorm she's covering and giggling on set with Wolf Blitzer while covering a horrendous abuse case. So then she she gets, I, I believe, let go by CNN. She doesn't just suddenly retire at the age of, of 30. She, and uh, We never hear from her again. She's an assistant professor in Florida. Now on the 10th anniversary, she comes back to do a podcast about the Sandusky case. She is claiming in her podcast that she is a new Sandusky victim who died of an overdose in 2018 because of their trauma of the Sandusky abuse. Did this person ever claim to be a Sandusky accuser when they were alive? No, they were not a trial accuser. They were not a settlement accuser. I have all the settlement documents. Their family was a huge Sandusky supporter. They died of an overdose in 2018. By the way, Sandusky's in prison. I doubt there was any abuse going on at that time. And then after, after this guy's death in 2018, a year later, there are numerous articles about his overdose because the family is trying to you know, get media coverage for his cause. A year later, still no mention of Jerry Sandusky by the parents. Then all of a sudden, just before the statute of limitations comes in, they get the most unscrupulous lawyer in this case, and they sue Penn State for a lot of money with zero record of this guy ever claiming to be a Sandusky accuser. And then the media reports on Sarah Gannam's podcast that these are, this is a Sandusky victim. You can be a Sandusky victim without ever even claiming it. John. And here's Sarah Gannam, who's still the Dr. Fauci of this case. I'm the Rand Paul to, to Sarah Gannam. Unfortunately, I'm not a U.S. senator, so no one's paying attention to me. But this woman should be, this woman's credibility should be completely destroyed. And this is someone the news media put on the pedestal as a heroine. She's a fraud, and it's happening constantly in this media environment. But again, we're not going to talk about the Sandusky thing. Uh, <laughs> you are the only person I know that can wind yourself up. <laughs> I mean, you well, just like, hey, John. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm, that, you're like, I'm, I'm doing pretty story? good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But let me tell you about the Sandusky thing. And then and by the end, you're like foaming at the mouth. And all I said was, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that an amazing story? I mean, it, it is. It, it, I it mean, is. I, I'm and a it, big believer and it is, that if it, you wait, wait long enough, the truth will come out. It's just many people stop paying attention. Well, and you're exactly right where we started, which is this is what's happening right now to the New York Times reporter that uh, wrote everything about the Russia hoax. It's all false now, provenly false. She's not returning the, the Pulitzer Prize. New York Times is not firing her. They right. just move on. Uh, and, and that is the problem with the media. Na, 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 na.